that it is good to feel the excitement and enthusiasm in the room. Uh, it is great to be back, uh, but it was even greater to hear the way that you guys continued on in our absence. And so it sounds like you did a phenomenal job of taking care of business while we were away, and that is an incredible encouragement to us. I uh, just wanted to acknowledge that and tell you that we're glad to be back. Um, I wonder, do you ever watch the news and find yourself just shaking your head and wondering what in the world is going on? Um, not long ago, when I was in that particular frame of mind, I came across these words. <clears throat> and it says, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? Can I get an amen there? All right. How how long? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? And just say, those are separate. That's not murder, police. That was help, murder, police. All right, calling for help. Um, Why do you force me to look at evil? Stare at trouble in the face day after day. Anarchy and violence break out. Quarrels and fights all over the place. Hmm. Law and order fall to pieces. Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. You can't condone evil. So why don't you do something about this? Am I the only one who's suggested to God that he ought to do something? Um, so why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage, evil men swallow up the righteous, and you stand around and watch. If you're at all like me, you may be inclined to think that the problems that we face are unique to our times. So you might find it helpful to realize those words are a paraphrase of something the prophet Habakkuk said over 2,500 years ago. Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah, also known as the weeping prophet. Um, They were some miserable times in their world and in their country. And Habakkuk and Jeremiah and several other prophets just couldn't help but cry out to God and wonder why he wasn't doing something. So the book of Habakkuk, just three short chapters, it's tucked back in the toward the end of the Old Testament, what's called the Minor Prophets. It's hiding between the book of Nahum and the book of Zephaniah. I'm sure you guys spend so much time there that your Bible just naturally falls open uh, to those chapters or those books. But in Habakkuk's story, and for me this is, and again, maybe this is another case of the preacher preaching to the preacher, but uh, you guys can listen in and enjoy my therapy session. Uh, but, but I'm calling it point and counterpoint, because in the book of Habakkuk, it starts out with Habakkuk making a point, and then God countering his point, and then Habakkuk making another point, and then God countering that. Uh, when I say making a point, in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, Habakkuk is pouring out his complaint. And after he complains for a while, God answers. And when God's answer to the first complaint is not sufficient, he complains some more. Again, I'm thinking I may not be the only person here who ever falls into that. 
you complain about something and you get a response and you're not satisfied with the response, so you complain some more. But then in chapter 3, Habakkuk has a breakthrough. And he shifts from what I refer to as prayers of complaint. And he begins to pray for spiritual renewal. And again, as I've told you many, many times, sometimes I need a gentle nudge from God. Sometimes I need a slap upside the head from God. And Habakkuk um, provides the latter for me. Because I can get stuck in the prayers of complaint and not move on to the prayers for spiritual renewal. I suspect I'm not the only person, excuse me, I suspect there's not a person listening to these words who would not agree on some level that our world needs a fresh move of God. Is that fair? I I suspect I'm not the only person who thinks that our country needs a fresh move of God. I would suggest that the church in America needs a fresh move of God. And I would confidently say our church, Caring Community Church, Albion, Michigan, 2021, needs a fresh move of God. That's not saying we're bad. It's saying we could be a whole lot better. I'm just saying it. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to return to this topic numerous times. And I can tell you right now, you will repeatedly, if you come back, that's not just want to say it, or listen in, you will repeatedly hear me say this or something like this. Before there can be a fresh move of God on any corporate level, there must be a fresh move of God in the hearts of individual believers. God's not going to fix what's out there till I let him fix what's in here. That's my issue. You've got your own issue. All right? Every one of us has to deal with that. And to me, that's what Habakkuk is about. He's saying, God, you ought to do something about that. And God listens to it, and then he says, you know what? How about we start where the issue really lies? Let's get inside your heart, and then we'll go from there. So before I spend a few minutes uh, focused on Habakkuk's prayer for renewal, I just want to quickly review his complaints and God's answers. And I'm just going to tell you right up front, I'm not always going to explain it, but this is going to be kind of a mashup. Do they still call it a mashup when you mix things all together? All right, I'm, I'm going to be using the New International Version sometimes, and I may be using the older version, the New International Version sometimes, sometimes I'll use the newer version, and sometimes I'm going to use the message, and sometimes I'm just going to give you the shape version and, and paraphrase it for you. So some of this you're going to look up and say, that's not what it says in my Bible. Well, you're right, because it doesn't. Uh, but So let's look first at complaint number one. I just read, what I read for you at the start was the message version of Habakkuk chapter 1, the first few verses. And in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, basically Habakkuk is saying a mess. Things are a mess, and God, you're not doing a stinking thing about it. What's up with that? That's not what I expect from you. So he just lays it out there. Trust me. Hear, hear me well if you haven't understood this. God's okay with you getting up in his business, all right? He's okay with you saying, God, I don't think you're doing what you should be doing. If I ruled the universe, things would be different. And he just smiles and thinks, yeah, they would, not in a good way. Uh, but he's saying, God, 
Things are a mess, and I, I don't think you're doing anything about it. And then in, in chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, God responds. And, and basically, I'm just going to verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 5. God says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. My paraphrase is, God says, Habakkuk, I've got this. And your puny brain can't understand that I've got it. So just trust me. Okay, again, that's a, that's a paraphrase. Maybe not even a very good one. But, but God says, I know things are a mess. I'm not clueless. But maybe, Habakkuk, you might be a little clueless because you don't understand what I'm up to. So, then we have complaint number two. And this is uh, in uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, and, and then kind of wraps up with verse 1 of chapter 2. But in Habakkuk 1.13, he says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Treacherous, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So Habakkuk complained, God responded, and Habakkuk wasn't satisfied with the response. I can tell you from personal experience, and I know you guys are way, way further down the road than I am, but in my personal experience, when I'm in complaint mode and God just pats me on the shoulder and says, Steve, just trust me. That doesn't usually cut it. I'm going to complain some more. No, God, but you don't understand. And so he, he complains and God says, I've got this. Trust me. You won't understand even if I try to explain it to you. Just trust me. So Habakkuk complains some more and said, you just don't get it, God. You're just dropping the ball. And, and then the way the message puts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, what's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says and how he'll answer my complaint. He's saying, we'll just see what God's got to say about this. (laughs) Trust me, you probably don't want to go there in your attitude as you relate to God. I mean, if you call God out, you better be ready to deal with it. Be careful when you throw down that challenge. And in God's answer to the second complaint, chapter 2, verses 2 through 20, I'm not going to go through a lot of it. But to me, in my vernacular, after the second complaint, God takes the gloves off and he says, Habakkuk, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to tune you up a little bit. In the the NIV, it, it starts out, Write this down. In other words, you better pay attention. Write this down and share it with others. The way the message puts it, God says to Habakkuk, write this out in big block letters because I want to make sure your blockhead gets it. All right? (laughs) And he goes on, and, and this is my paraphrase, and I own that. But he says, trust me. When the time is right, I will act. Just wait for it. And then he goes on, and in the NIV, he begins to lay out all the stuff Habakkuk doesn't understand. And five times he says, whoa, 
to me, or woe to him. Woe to those who don't get this. Five times in the message, he says to Habakkuk, who do you think you are? Now, I love to picture God as my loving, patient, tolerant, heavenly father. But I'm humbled to think about me whining to him and suggesting that he's not doing a good job as creator and master of the universe. And then have him sit me down, get up in my face, and say, who do you think you are? Not once, not twice, but five times. Steve Schaefe, who do you think you are? You know what? You ever have those times where you're trying to see how small you can get in your chair? You know, and it's one thing if you're in a group. You guys all know you're in a classroom situation. I do remember what that was like back when you actually went into classrooms and didn't have the computer. But but you're sitting in a classroom and the teacher's asking a question and you know that you don't know the answer. And you you won't look at them. You're trying to see how small you can make yourselves. If you can hide behind the person behind you, you're trying to find a cloak of invisibility. Imagine if it's just you and God one-on-one. And he starts in with, that's an interesting perspective, Steve. I understand you're upset, but who do you think you are? Oh, buddy. Just, again, this is for me. I wrote it down. It's not in big block letters, but it is in bold. If I'm going to complain to God about the state of affairs around me, then I better be prepared to deal with the state of affairs in me. Is that fair? If you are going to complain to God, and and I'm sure none of you have, but I, I might once in a while. If you're going to complain to God about the state of affairs around you, then you must be prepared to deal with the state of affairs within you. And that brings me to Habakkuk's prayer. After their point and counterpoint exchange, after having God get up in his face and say, who do you think you are? You know, I think about raise a hallelujah a little louder. I I can picture each one of those, who do you think you are, maybe just getting a little bit louder. To where eventually God's blowing my hair back, what's left of it, blowing my hair back with, who do you think you are? That apparently was enough for Habakkuk to have a slight attitude adjustment. (laughs) Go figure. And his perspective changed. And that's where we pick up in chapter 3 with the prayer that he prayed. And I'm just going to focus on the first couple of lines. And it goes like this. After after that exchange, after have, have him just pouring his heart, and please understand, I'm making fun of it, but if you're upset, by all means, pour your heart out to God. Um, at least he can do something about it. If you pour it out to everybody else, they're pretty much powerless to do anything about it, even if you think they can. So please do that. I'm not saying don't do that, and I'm not saying God's going to slap you upside the head if you do it, um, but... You do need to understand there's an expectation that you deal with the issues that you can deal with. So Habakkuk says, after his um, attitude adjustment, um, Lord, I've heard of your fame. 
I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So, that, you know, that last line, <laughs> he's still kind of feeling a little burn from those, who do you think you are? So he's saying, God, you know, okay, yes, everybody needs a good slap upside of the head, but, but don't let it be too hard. Yes, we need your wrath, but, but come on, can we just wrap it in a little bit of mercy here? All right, cause he's kind of felt a little bit of that and saying, well, that might be a bit, a bit tough. So, all right. So, so that's his prayer. And, and I just, I just want to look at that. Lord, I've heard of your fame. And I just ask you to think for a moment. Think about your perception of God. All right? And and I suspect each of us would put that in a little bit different terms. But as you think about your perception of God, throughout all of history, and more specifically throughout the history of your life, what is God famous for? in your heart and in your mind. What is he famous for? What are those things that you say, that's my God. That's a God I want a real personal, life-changing love relationship with. That's the God who's pulled my fat from the fire more times than I care to think about. That's the God who was there for me in my lowest of low moments and just said, just hang on. I'm with you. I've got you. What's God famous for? Do others know you feel that way? If we're going to say, Lord, I've heard of your fame, what, will others know that you think God's famous for his ability to change lives? To have a plan for all of eternity that we just can't possibly understand. What's God famous for? And can others tell that you feel that way? And then most, not most importantly, but when you say, Lord, I've heard of your fame. If you, if you dare to join Habakkuk in that prayer, Lord, I've heard of your fame. How are you different? It, whatever you say, God's famous in your life because he sent Jesus to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin so that you would have hope for today and hope for eternity. If that's what God's famous for in your book, which it should be, uh, but if that's what God's famous for in your book, how are you different because of what God's famous for? If God is famous in your mind for his faithfulness, how are you different because of his faithfulness? If God is famous in your life because of his uh, uncompromising Love for you and love for others. How are you different because of what he's famous for? Because, again, it doesn't matter if you think he's famous if something's not different because of it. And then Habakkuk just says, I stand in awe of your deeds. Really? Which ones? Which ones? What has God done that just makes you go, wow, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he is doing that. I can't believe whatever. What just makes you, and, and, and trust me, I, I beg you to go to a few levels on that. You know, for me, one of the days we were off, it was just a, one of those, oh, I mean, some of that weather was just 
sweet. You know, it, it wasn't cold, but it wasn't hot, and it was just nice and refreshing. And I stepped out one night and weren't where there were all the street lights and stuff, and it was just one of those cool, crystal clear nights. And, and you just stand there and you just look at the stars. And it's like, I, I, that's God. Wow. That's low-hanging fruit, folks, all right? I mean, that's good stuff. But what has God done that makes you stand in awe? I've told you before, sometimes I stand here and I look around, Diane and I both, and we look around and said, I go back, you know, 45 years ago to some very naive, foolish young people who thought they were ready to get married and didn't have a clue. Who thought they were following a totally different career path. And God spoke into their lives. And all of this has flowed out of that. Friends, not for me, the fact that God could make so much with so little. <laughs> I, I, I just stand in awe of that. It, because it's not about me. It's not about any of us. But he's used all of us to make it happen. Stand in awe of your deeds. I look at the times in history with Habakkuk in his day. I look at the times throughout history when things were so miserable you couldn't possibly see how they could get any better, how there could be any room for improvement, and God stepped in. And that brings us, again, what deeds of his do you stand in awe of? How does that sense of awe you have over what God has done shape your thoughts actions, life, and relationships today. If we're awed by what he's done in the past, excuse me, if I'm awed by what he's done in the past, then shouldn't I be encouraged about what he could do in the future? If I stand in awe of what he's done, maybe I should. No, no, maybe about it. I should. Then, this is where I wanted to get to. Habakkuk says, renew them in our day. I've heard of your fame. I'm awed by what you have done. And God, please, as we've sung recently, do it again. Do it again and again. Renew that stuff that awed me from the past. Renew it in my day. And again, I ask you to make it personal. What deeds from the past, the stuff that God has done that just makes you go, wow, would you most like to see him renew today? What, what, is, what is it? Make your own list. What, what would you, you know, what has God done in the past that you would just love to see him do again? And please don't pray for the flood, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. But, but seriously. What, what would you like to see him do to build and restore today that he's done in the past? Uh, some of you know at times, especially back when I was on sabbatical, I spent a lot of time reading about revivals of the past. 
and these times when there was this great move of God and, and people were standing for hours in open fields listening to the word of God preached. People were in church services and, and they just stayed and stayed. People were gathering for prayer at all hours of the day and night and praying without ceasing for God to move. What, what are those things from the past that we would like to see renewed in our day? And then the rubber hits the road. What price am I willing to pay? If God says, okay, Steve, you want A, here's what you need to do. What price am I willing to pay? What changes am I willing to make? What prayers am I willing to pray? What, when, where, and how am I willing to invest to see God's awe-inspiring deeds of the past renewed in our day? Those of you that have been around for a while have heard me say this in a countless different context. Perception yields behavior, yields destiny. How I see things influences how I act. And how I act generally influences the outcome. What God is famous for in my mind shapes my perception of God. My perception of God shapes my respect for and capacity to trust in his actions. And my respect for and trust in his actions shapes how I see his potential to influence the future. The question I ask myself is, am I ready to be done with Habakkuk's prayers of complaint and move forward to join him in his prayers for renewal? Or am I on a more personal level? Am I willing to abandon my prayers of complaint and lead in to prayers for renewal? Prayers and complaint are prayers of renewal. It's a choice. Now, you may start out with complaint, but trust me, I've tried. And if you stay there, it just isn't healthy. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, I trust this is not true of anyone in this room. I'm positive. But I've heard people in the past say, I just don't know what to pray. You know, I I just don't know what to, you know, I'm not good with words. And, I, you know, the these and the thous, and I get all tongue-tied. How about if we just said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Pretty good starting point. Um, before I close in prayer, as, as I've just been very reflective of late, um, and I'm sure others of you have, uh, Kathleen was gracious enough to point out, gracious enough to point out late this week that Today is September 12th, which means yesterday was September 11th. And even though it's past, it might not be a bad idea. Excuse me. It would be a very good idea to just reflect a little bit about 9-11. And so there's a, there's a video that I'm going to have you watch. 
And after that, I'm going to come up and talk you through a couple of things, and then the worship team will come back up, and we'll move on with our service. So if you guys want to play that, that would be awesome.